Good morning. It is a delight to have everyone here. Thank you, especially families, for taking time to join us today. What a, what a blessed time it is, and I agree 100% with what David was saying a moment ago. It's like we, we, we love one another, we support one another, we're here for one another, we encourage one another. I, have, I just know in past years, thank you, babe, I just know in past years how I've looked to the people, the generations that have gone on ahead of me for examples of how they raised their kids and have learned immensely from that. And uh, I've been challenged by that. And so I'd encourage you, too, as um, those of you who are, have raised kids, be available to help and encourage and serve the younger generation. Those of you who have little ones, take advantage of the resource that you have of God-fearing people that want, that, that want the best for ch- their children, they want the best for you, and they want the best for your kids as well. We are a family. We work together. All right. Oak Ridge Community Church, our, new, our series on the new life in Christ. One of the promises of our faith is new life. The old is gone, the new has come. New life. Jesus, uh, Paul wrote 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, a new life has begun. Because of our faith in Jesus Christ, the penalty of our sin is gone immediately when we trust him. But, to put it mildly, seeing the effect of sin in our life disappear takes longer. And we sometimes wonder, where is this peace, this love, joy, and peace that I've been promised? Thus, our new sermon series on the new life. This is our summer series. It's about 10 weeks long. And here's how we're approaching this topic, just as a refresher. We have three main arcs to this series. First arc is we talk about our roots and our foundation in Christ. The second arc, which we're starting today, is learning to abide in him. And then the close of the series in the, in, during the, the, in, towards the end of August is the fruitful life. These three arcs build on one another. So I encourage you, if you haven't had a chance to hear the previous messages, check out our online archive, and you can catch up on our series. So I'd like to make an analogy on our series structure and why we've designed the way we have. We want to properly grasp the promises of the new life. So the first arc talks about having healthy roots. We have an image here. For those of you who, are, who are, can't see this slide because you're joining us online or you're listening later on, you don't have the slides. There's a picture of a tree up here with roots and a trunk and, and green leafy branches. The first arc focuses on the healthy roots. Healthy roots start with our faith in Jesus Christ. First of all, I just want to reemphasize, we are saved by faith. We are saved by grace. Our, he, Jesus Christ, does the work that we need for salvation. I want to emphasize this, because as we think about what a new life it means, and having new life, and having love, and joy, and peace, bearing fruit, and walking in the Spirit, and having a healthy temple of life, it's not an exercise in legalism. It's not a list of things that you have to do, and obligations. It starts with the foundation of our faith, which is a gift of God through grace. This foundation is necessary if we want to be able to enjoy the life that he has planned for us as believers. So the first arc, just a really quick summary. Pastor David, he, he, he preached on our identity in Christ through faith. So our identity established through him. Brian Racer, he spoke about acknowledging our woundedness. 
And last week, Keir Skiles gave a very practical message on forgiveness. So in addition to our faith, we have to acknowledge and deal with the woundedness and clutter that sometimes exists in our faith because you can't build a house on a bad foundation. You can't have a healthy tree if the roots are diseased. So we need to be grounded. We need to have a solid foundation. The second art is growing a strong support from healthy roots. And one of the ways to have a strong support is to have a solid daily life in Christ. There's three things that come to mind when I think about that. One is learning to rest in him. And two is having a healthy prayer life. And three is having a a devotion and feeding on the word every day. In a few moments, we're going to focus on the first of those topics, which is rest. The last piece of the series, which will be in several, will start in several weeks, is the fruit and joy that comes from, a, from, a new, from our new life. We have healthy roots, we have a solid structure. The last but not least, we have our tree, and a little red arrow pointing to the final, the final aspect of our new life, which is fruitfulness and peace. What do you expect to see from a healthy plant? You expect to see leaves. And fruit, if it's a fruit tree. And beauty, many times. These things come naturally from a healthy plant. In the same way, our new life, our love, our joy, our peace, they come naturally if we're well connected to the Lord. This love, this joy, this peace, these are worthy goals for our life. Not just accomplishing things, not just doing things for Him. It's valuable in and of itself for us to be at peace before him. So experiencing this life and what this, how this looks and how we get there, that will be the conclusion of our series. Okay, so we're going to start on the second arc today this is with the topic of rest. Jesus, prompt, Jesus said, remain in me and I will remain in you. This is John 15, verse 4. Remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it's severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain and or abide in me. Some translations say remain, some translations say abide. Our house needs a solid structure, it needs to have quality materials, it needs to be well thought out. But the most important thing is we start with rest. Jesus also promised, come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Let's look at this verse with the other one, too. Remain in me, and I will will remain in you. And you will produce, branch cannot produce fruit unless it's severed from, if it's severed from the vine, you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. And then he promised, come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. So Jesus commanded us to remain and abide in him. Actually, I think command is the wrong word for this verse. Command is the wrong word for this verse. It's more like a principle or even an invitation. You know, how would your perspective change? How would your perspective change? Instead of looking at this as a command to abide in him and to remain in him, instead, if you looked at this as an invitation to remain in him, Because sometimes, normally, I look at this verse and I think of it as, oh man, there's something else I'm supposed to do. How do I abide? How do I abide? How do I abide? It's something I have to think about, something I have to do, something I have to buy, whatever. But instead of looking at this as a command, 
I think you should look at it as an invitation. And the invitation comes with a promise that our weariness will be met with, an, with an, he will help carry those burdens and he will allow us to rest. I was thinking of an analogy. It's like if you have an invitation, the, the invitation versus command, if you are summoned to go someplace, it feels like an obligation, even if it might be something that's fun. Like if you're summoned to come to a courtroom, that's not an invitation, it's a command. But if you're invited to join a family member for a celebration, like today, then that's an invitation. Your mindset, our mindsets, has a, has a different, we have a different response emotionally to that. And the concept of, rem- of remaining brings to my mind the idea of resting and rather than working for him. And the first aspect of a rest I'd like to talk about is physically resting. You may ask, what does the topic of rest, how does this fit into our topic of building a solid structure? Well, we're seeking a healthy tree trunk. That sounds like activity. So what's with the resting? Like I said before, the concept of new life in Christ is based on grace. It's based on what he did for us. It's not based on what I'm doing for him. It's not a legalistic list list of things that we're supposed to do. The fourth commandment, Exodus chapter 20, verse 8 and 9 says, remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. You have six days each week for your ordinary work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. On that day, no one in your household may do any work. On that day, no one in your household may do any work. You know, in spite of our perceived strengths, we must rest in order to be fruitful. And in spite of our challenges and disappointments, we can find rest. This promise challenges both our pride and our temptation to despair. So we're strong, we have gifts, we have strengths, we know that we can do things. Sometimes we can be tempted to rely on our own strength. That's a temptation to pride. Sometimes we feel overwhelmed and life is just difficult. That can be a temptation to despair. The invitation to rest addresses both of those things. So let's look at what it means to rest. The first is physical rest. I like to read I'd like to read a quote from this book I have, a book called Oikonomics. We've used the word oikos many times here in this church over the past year. Some of you are visitors. So oikos is simply a Greek word. It means my community. It means the people that are around me. It means the people that I influence and influence me. And it can be concentric circles starting with my family, coworkers, community, etc. But the name of the book is Oikonomics. I recommend it. It's short. It's, it's small, it has relatively big print. I think one of the things that I was enjoyed about this book is it talks about oikonomics. It talks about how our life is divided into five different things that we spend and invest in. And those things are financial, these different types of capital that we have in our life. Financial capital, intellectual capital, physical capital, relational capital, and spiritual capital. I'm not going to go into all of them. I just want to use this, this, chapter, this chapter or quote in here about physical capital and the need for us to get physical rest. So in this book, Economics, it says our overall health comes, comes into play in the physical realm because it greatly affects our ability to invest our time and energy, getting proper rest and living in a rhythm of life that allows us to work hard and play hard is essential. If we're going to steward 
our long-term physical capital. This is a reinforcement of the point that's being, part of the point that's being made here with the fourth commandment, the commandment to rest on the Sabbath day. So we need to start at that point. The second aspect, here's, here's, here's another promise from Jesus. John 14, 27, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is the gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. Don't be troubled or afraid. This, I think, is a reference and this is a promise towards the emotional rest that God offers us as well. The emotional rest that he offers us as well. So the, there, the, do you slow down long enough to get physical rest? Do you slow down long enough to be introspective about what your needs are? intellectually, emotionally, stress level. If you're stressed out, do you slow down long enough to realize what it is that may be causing you to be stressed out? Are you getting solid input and encouragement and counsel from the people around you who know you, who know you well? I think in order for us to be emotionally rest, it requires a couple of things. One is it requires humility. If you're stressed out, especially, I mean, stress is normal to life. You can't live life without it. But if you're constantly stressed out, it takes some humility to slow down and examine your life and ask for help from those around you. I ha- I, there's a, a, friend of, a friend of mine, another pastor out in Minneapolis. His name is Mark Bowen. He has a quote. He says, when you're in a position of need, you want to go to those who know you best and love you most. Because those are the people that are going to be qualified to serve you, to encourage you, to offer honest feedback into your life and help you to evaluate what's going on. So who, do you have someone in your life? When, you think of, when, I, when, I say, when I say the phrase, those who know you best and love you most, is there someone in your life that you think of in that regard? Is it someone in your family, someone in your church? close friends, people you've known for a long time, maybe even a short time. These are people that you should be able to slow down with and help evaluate what's going on in your life. Be humble enough to ask for help. I'll also say, too, you should ask for help from a qualified person. Just talk about what that means for a minute. So if you're struggling with something, say I'm struggling with pornography, or I'm struggling with alcohol, or I'm struggling with anger, So when I say qualified person, I don't necessarily mean someone that's having the same exact struggle that you're having. You may need to get help. You may need to be humble enough to ask for help from someone who's dealt with this successfully in the past. Can you do that? Can I do that? Can you be vulnerable enough to do that? Can you be, if there's something you struggled in in the past, can you be, can you slow down long enough to offer help and encouragement to somebody else? Can you be an open, inviting person that's not going to hammer someone flat when they come and ask for help? I hope that's the case. But it starts with your personal humility. If you're in a position where you need rest, you need help, you need encouragement. I'll also say this about the word qualified. Qualification can can be a character thing. It can be something that people have gone through. But I also say, I don't, I, my goal is not to belittle true mental and emotional anguish and trauma. And sometimes a qualified person, 
someone that can help us is a trained professional. So that is also an act of humility. I've had conversations, <laughs> I've had conversations with people where they know they're struggling. <laughs> and they can, all, they can diagnose their own dysfunction. And, and if I make a suggestion to talk to somebody or even to seek counseling or professional help, they're like, I know I should, but I don't want to because it's too expensive or it takes too much time or it's too embarrassing or they feel like they ought to be able to solve their own problems. So I'm going to say again, we need to have humility if we're in a position where we need help, encouragement. That can be someone who knows you well, and if they're not able to help you and they're honest enough to say that, they may encourage you to seek someone who's properly trained and is able to help you walk through some difficult things. This is a tough, tough topic, I know. And again, my goal is not to make light of it, but I also want to say it's okay. It's like a doctor. You go to a doctor, if you break your leg or if you need an injection, you can also, get, you can also go to someone who's competent and qualified in their knowledge and their character to give you care as well. If this is something you want to talk about, I encourage you, talk with your family, talk with me or David or one of our pastors or life group leaders. Be brave enough to open up and let, you know, and let know what, what your need is. So physical rest is part of We need to be physically rested in order to have the energy to face life sometimes. And that may mean you're, you start triaging, deciding what's important in your life. We need to be emotionally rested as well so that we have a capacity to seek God. We have a capacity to give to those around us. Last but not least is we need to have spiritual rest. Spiritual rest. This is actually the most important piece of the pie. This is, and this is the foundation for the other aspects of our physical and emotional rest as well, our spiritual rest. Jesus offers peace, yet we seem to struggle with attention. So we're going to look here in, in the topic of spiritual rest. We're going to look at a passage. We're going to look at Hebrews chapter 3 and 4. And we're, going to, we're going to take some excerpts of a couple of verses. We're not going to read straight through. It's a long passage. I've highlighted a couple of verses here that I want to cover. Starting in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 11. The, the writer of Hebrews is, is quoting. He says, So in my anger I took an oath. They will never enter my place of rest. And to whom... Was God speaking, the writer is asking this in a rhetorical question of his audience, to whom was God speaking when he took an oath saying they would never enter into his rest? Wasn't it the people who disobeyed him? So we see that because of their unbelief, they were not able to enter his rest. So in this passage, the writer is equating unbelief with disobedience. And he's setting, he's, setting up the, he's setting up the thought that God is offering his people a chance to enter into rest. They don't enter into rest because of their unbelief. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 3. For only we who believe can enter his rest, even though this rest has been made ready since he made the world. Chapter 4, verse 4. We know it is ready because of the place in the scriptures where it mentions the seventh day. On the seventh day, God rested from all his work. So there's a special rest still waiting for the people of God. Chapter 4, verse 10. For all who've entered into God's rest have rested from their labors, just as God did after creating the world. Interesting here. So the writer of Hebrews is explicitly tying in creation story 
with the concept of rest, with the concept of faith, and the concept of our obedience of believing in him and entering into that rest. I think it's pretty amazing. I think it's a pretty amazing thing. God's, those who've entered in God's rest have rested from their labors, just as God did after creating the world. I think this verse is one of the reasons we say correctly that our faith is not about what we do for God. It's, 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 it's one of the reasons we say our faith is a gift of God where we stop working and we learn to trust what he has done through Jesus Christ. He's inviting us to enter into a spiritual rest. God's rest on the seventh day, in fact, is basically a prophecy of what Jesus was going to accomplish, the fact that he was going to complete the work and invite us to rest through grace and faith. Hebrews 4.11. So let us do our best to enter into that rest. But if we disobey God, as the people of Israel did, we will fall. We will fall. So the imperative of the fourth command, God's rest at the end of creation is part of the fourth commandment. And we're told to rest, God's rest, is shown in the completed work of creation. God's rest is shown in the completed work of our salvation. And our rest, our rest, which we're invited into, is our faith in him. We're invited into this. It says here, Hebrews 4.3, only we who believe can enter into his rest, even though that rest has been ready since he made the world. He made that rest ready for us to receive. So this, his rest is in creation. Our rest is trusting in what he did. This is the foundation of our faith. So tying it all together here to this morning, we must rest in him in order to remain in him. Jesus said, abide in me. Jesus said, I give you rest. And the foundation of that rest, the foundation of that rest is what he, God has accomplished through Christ on the cross. Cross. It's reinforced through the fourth commandment where he said, observe the Sabbath. And it's prophesied through his example of what he did when he created the world. It's pretty amazing. It's, it underlies everything. It underlies our entire faith. It's interesting, too, because you can have a different opinion about what it means to observe the Sabbath or when you rest or how much you rest, and I respect that. And you can have a different opinion on what it means to get emotional support and encouragement and I respect that. So uh, there's no problem with that. But what I think here, the steel, the steel here, the principle that we have to observe is when God tells us to rest, he's not just, it's not just a recommendation to like have a nap on a Sunday or to stop stressing out about life. But the fourth commandment ties it all together. It's a rest for our salvation. It's a rest from our works. You cannot do anything that's going to please him. You must trust Jesus Christ. But he also makes it very practical when he says, rest spiritually, rest emotionally, rest physically, because we are spirit, mind, and body. Spirit, mind, and body. What Our body affects our mind, and, 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 all, and both of those affect our spirit, and vice versa. So he's giving you, so even though you do have some options and you do have some grace, and I'm not saying you got to go, you got to take off on Saturdays or Sundays and do, do any work or anything like that. I'm not, I'm not like saying you have to recreate how the Jewish people observe the Sabbath. But what I am saying is that if you 
don't rest, if you don't moderate your tempo of life, if you don't seek peace of mind, starting with him, and then expanding that to people who know you best and love you most, then you're, you're violating something about how you're made and how you're structured. And that violation, that violation is going to, well, A, it's going to cause us to continue to be stressed and worn out. It is also us not respecting the principle that we rest in, who, in what Christ has done and the salvation that he, that he wrought for us. So the fourth commandment is there's grace in how it's implemented, but there's a steel to it. There's a principle to it. And like we said earlier in the message, there's an invitation. There's a, it's a command that is also an invitation. Let's pray. Father, I accept your invitation to rest. I accept your invitation to rest. First of all, I want to rest in Jesus Christ. Jesus, thank you for the love you showed. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Father, thank you for your son that you sent. I want to learn to rest in you. Not trusting my own works, my own efforts, my own energy to make things happen. Father, I also want to be humble enough to acknowledge when I need help. And that just, that just needs, that me, me need to take a chance, maybe, before you. Or take a chance before people who know me well and love me. To share my vulnerability. To share my needs. God, and I need to honor you and believe what you said when I need physical rest whether that means sleep or getting to bed on time, or whatever it means, Father, I want to honor you with my heart and my mind and my body. In Jesus' name, amen.